0: Natalie.
1: Hi, Raf. Happy Valentine's Day. It is for me. Sorry, I think it's the next day for you.
0: Yeah, sorry, you're a day late. Maybe.
1: You're in the future. Much
0: as I hoped. (laughs) Uh, No, thanks. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day to you as well. Great to be here with you. Uh, We are going to talk about how to land a job where you get to teach how you want to teach. So um, can you set this up for us? Why are we having this conversation?
1: We are having this conversation because um, a situation came up where someone was concerned that she is learning Pilates in a way that is really different than the, what do I want to say, the usual way that Pilates is understood and taught. And by that, I mean things like neutral spine, cueing breath, a lot of the alignment cues. That's really, really popular, right? It's it's what's, it's that's what Pilates is it's in the United States, maybe in Australia and other places as well. There's still a lot of talk about um, safety and alignment and breath and the Pilates principles, all of those things. And she's not being taught in that way.
0: Is she being taught by some kind of rogue organisation?
1: Yeah, I'm not going to name names, but it has to do with inhaling.
0: Okay, and so this, yeah, so this student had, you know, a fair enough concern that uh, in our program, oh, sorry, in the program that she's studying, um, she's being taught uh, current science-based best practice things like external cues. Um, you know, we don't emphasize, talk about cueing breathing a lot, um, you know, not emphasizing alignment protocols and neutral spine and all of those things. uh, And that she sees the value in all those things, but she's concerned that when she, you know, walks out of her home and, you know, walks a few blocks down the street to the local Pilates studio and asks for a job, the first thing they're going to do is say, okay, show us how you cue breath, alignment, neutral spine and transversus abdominis. And she's going to be like, unable to do that because we haven't taught her to do those things because those things don't actually add value uh to clients so you know how will she get a job um you know when she's not like the other kids
1: yeah i think it's a really fair question it was a brave question to ask um and you know i i found breathe after i already got a job but there were times when i met with other pilates studio owners who did ask me well tell me your thoughts about the transverse abdominis and tell me your thoughts about pelvic floor and those sorts of things. So it is really common. And I feel like if you are going to a very typical Pilates studio, those are really um, common pieces of conversation that come up. Those are common interview questions. They wanna know that you know your shit so that um, you're a good Pilates teacher and that you're gonna keep the client safe and happy.
0: All right. So how do, and, and I think this, this comes, the reason we're having this conversation on Pilates Elephants rather than just writing a reply to that student in Slack, which we could have done, um, is that we both agreed that this would be a valuable conversation for a broader community of people who maybe uh, already have a job or maybe are, uh, you know, looking for a job, either one, but are wondering like, okay, well, I've been listening to Pilates Elephants, I've been doing some reading and research, and I've learned about these new kind of more evidence-based approaches to teaching movement, and I want to incorporate those into the way that I teach, or maybe I already am incorporating them into the way that I teach. And I'm starting to feel like a square peg in a round hole, and I'm starting to feel like I'm not like the other kids. Um, Like when I was a kid, uh, this was in the 70s, my mum sent me to school with her homemade wholemeal bread, which kind of looked like an explosion in a bread tin, you know, <laughs> and
1: it was probably so good for you too. And it was it homemade. Was so good
0: for me. It was, so but good you for me.
1: wanted the slice white stuff. I bet
0: I wanted the white bread with the, with the crusts cut off, like all of the other kids had, um, you know, and, and unfortunately I had super thick, crumbly wholemeal bread with alfalfa and all kinds of weird, you know, hippie, Vegetables in there
1: that you probably eat now and love,
0: which I absolutely am totally grateful now for now, and very glad that I that my mum did that. But at the time, I was mortified, and I, I remember begging her on many occasions to just please give me just normal food to take to school, <laughs> uh, but she didn't. Uh, and now I'm really grateful, you know. Um, so anyway, I think. uh all right, so I guess that is the that is the reason we're having this conversation on air because I had wholemeal bread as a kid. Um, no, it's because I think there. You know, we both we both agreed that there's probably a much wider group of people out there who are listeners to this podcast who feel like yeah, I don't quite feel like I fit in, and I feel like I might even struggle to get a job or it. You know, where I'm working, I kind of have to, um, you know, be like extra diplomatic or maybe kind of hide my light under a bushel a little bit um to pretend that I kind of fit in um yeah so if that's you
1: yeah this episode is for you this is definitely um not to put a spotlight on this particular student because it is I think a really it's a it's an issue that impacts a lot of people in different ways so if we can if we can help you fly your freak flag loudly and proudly then let's let's I'm happy to take a crack at it.
0: Great. Let's 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 get you proudly eating your whole wholemeal alfalfa sandwiches.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> um, all right. So so let's let's think of a few different scenarios. But let's start with the idea of okay, we want to get a job. Okay. So whether it's your first job or your ninety job doesn't matter. But you you're looking for a job in the studio and they've advertised and you go along. And you're sitting down for some type of interview, whether you've had an audition or whatever it is, basically. There's some, there's some conversation that happens at some point in the interview. And uh, the studio owner asks you questions about your teaching philosophy, your teaching approach. Uh, and those questions are run along the lines of, you know, are you skilled at doing this list of things that are not evidence-based, you know, Um, cueing transversus abdominis, you know, helping clients maintain their pelvic stability, um, et cetera. Um, And so, yeah, what do you do if like, A, like let's set up two scenarios here. A, maybe you know how to do those things because you've been doing, you've been teaching for a, a while and now, but you've kind of come to a position where you don't feel comfortable doing those things anymore because you realize they're not actually, they don't constitute high value care for your clients. Um, Or maybe you actually don't know how to do those things because you've recently been trained uh, by us or if there is another provider on the planet who's doing evidence-based training uh, and you've learned actually how to do high-value care, which doesn't include cueing transverse abdominis and pelvic stability, et cetera. So either you know how to do those things, but you kind of don't feel comfortable doing it, or you actually don't know how to do those things. But either way... The prospective employer sits you down and goes, great, you know, I think you'd be a wonderful fit for this workplace. Just the final question before we, you know, offer you the job, Um, you know, how would you go about queuing transversus abdominis, uh, you know, for a client with low back pain? What do you say?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a lot. You know, um, can I put us in a time machine before and put your question in parentheses?
0: Yeah, where where, where are we going back to?
1: (laughs) We're going to go back to before you sit down with the studio owner for the interview. And what I would like to offer up first is to say that hopefully you have a relationship with the studio owner. And that might be that you are a member of that studio having taken classes, right? Because, you know... If you are a member of that studio, they know who you are, they know what you like, you know them and how they do things. So being able to have that frame of reference is going to put you in such a better position to have any kind of interview with the studio owner or the hiring manager, because you're already there, you're already up, you're, you're already a A member and you know i think the thing is especially if you're if you're training at a company like breathe where we're not doing things in a traditional way it is actually i think quite important to be able to do that kind of homework ahead of time so if at all possible take some classes or be a member so that way you know what you're getting yourself into and the hiring people will know who you are as well i was listening to um a podcast about um, marketing yourself the other day and I wrote it down. It says, the person said, make it easier for them to find you than the than your competitor. And I think that was such a powerful phrase, right? Cause that, that's true for anything that you do in any kind of business, make it easier for them to find you. Like what better way than to be a customer? Um, so that way, when you sit down in your interview And the hiring manager says, Oh, yeah, um, let's have a talk about transverse abdominis core activation and all those things. You have a relationship. You have hopefully a trusting relationship with this person to be able to say, I would love to give you my thoughts about that. Would, would it be okay if we talk about this? And that way it's still an interview as opposed to you as a potential employee trying to school your potential boss
0: right okay i love the time machine and um you know if we take out sort of you know going back to austria in the 1930s and killing hitler or um you know <laughs> living your life over again <laughs> uh, making you know making up for the things that you would have done differently uh if, we, if our time machine is very limited and can only take us back to uh you know, a few weeks before we applied for this job. I 100% agree that um, just patronizing the studio, I think it's a a must. Uh, Pretty much every studio owner I've ever talked to when I ask them, like, what's the, you know, what are the top five things you look for in a potential new hire? Like, the number one thing is, like, they're a client is like that's top of the list for almost everyone Uh, and the reason for that is because they can see you know by showing up at the sessions regularly that studio owner can see that you are inherently a values fit if you've already put your money where your mouth is and and paid to come and do sessions at the studio it's like well you've already basically shown that you are a values fit for that studio it's like you know so you've, you've already done like you're already ahead of 90% of the other candidates just by doing that, just by being physically present in the studio. You're
1: a stakeholder. You're a stakeholder in the company. Yeah.
0: Right, right. And I think what you say there about, um, you know, people feeling they know you, I think is so crucial. Uh, There's a a wonderful story about a guy called Daryl Davis, who's a uh, black man in the southern U.S. who has – Uh, converted over 200 Ku Klux Klan people to leave the Ku Klux Klan uh, by simply sitting down with them and talking with them. Um, And, you know, there's many, many videos. You can find him online on YouTube, on you know Google, whatever. Um, But basically his, you know, his approach is very, very simple. It's like when we each recognize our common humanity, it's very hard to hate someone. You know, when you see somebody as a three-dimensional human being, you know, with fears and hopes and dreams and, you know, all of the rest of it, it's very hard to hate that person. And so all he his only strategy is to just sit down and get to know people and and exchange genuine, you know, conversation with them about what's important and what, you know, what they love, what they're concerned about in the world, etc. Et cetera. And um, after a while, they realize, like, gee, I don't hate this guy. He's, you know, this is a nice guy. <laughs> and and they, they can't reconcile that with the fact that, you know, they hate all black people and all black people are terrible. And so they have this kind of realization, a lot of them, that's like, oh, maybe all black people aren't terrible. Like, maybe I've been wrong about this whole thing the whole time. And, um, yeah, so 200, you know, people he's, he's um, uh, succeeded with. And so I think that the application of that to our scenario here is, well, if we have a studio owner who's potentially going to judge you on criteria that aren't really the best criteria to decide on whether you're a good fit for that workplace or not, um, they're much less likely to do so if they see you as a three-dimensional human and they feel a, a human connection with you beforehand, you know, like... Natalie, like I'm sure that if you and I really tried to, we could sit down and make a list of all the things about each other that would irritate each other potentially, you know. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe if, you know, you squeeze a toothpaste tube from the top, I don't know, you know. Um, but if
1: Well, if my husband was here, he could help you with that.
0: (laughs) But, I mean, if we tried to look for the things that would, if we tried to look for the things that would, you know, irritate each other, I'm sure we could find some. Uh, but if we instead tried to find the things that we respect and love about each other, then I'm sure we could find those things too. And, you know, one would lead to much more, you know, successful relationship than than the other. And so I think, you know, what you say there is, you know, it's very basic pragmatic advice. Go do classes at the studio before you apply for the job. But it's so profoundly valuable on so many levels that just of connecting with, based around common humanity. And then once you already have some kind of relationship with that person, the interview is going to go so much better, so much better.
1: I totally agree. And I love that you brought up, um, it was it Daryl Davis. That's his name. Yeah. Davis. Yeah, I think it was you who told me a long time ago about him and I did listen to him on a podcast and it w- he's just absolutely amazing. And it is such a huge and powerful lesson that, um, a lot of times people are just afraid of what they don't know. So in this, you know, in, in our situation where we're teaching, we're, we're essentially, I guess, arguably forcibly changing the paradigm. We're doing something really different in a community and in a tradition that is so fiercely protective of lineage and how we do this is how we do things and here we are like who the hell are we to tell you (laughs) no we're not gonna do it that way and that you know i i see that on social media um i i see i've witnessed that i've been a part of that in you know in person to person conversations and a lot of it really is just people are afraid of what they don't know so if you are doing something different, it really just makes a lot of sense to establish trust with whoever it is that is going to be hiring you uh, so that you can have those conversations. And they're going to be so much more willing to listen and hear you. I mean, and, and honestly, they may not even necessarily agree, but they'll listen. Because I think that's part of the fear, right? It's just like, if you, sh- if I show up, uh, cold and I just go to a studio and I'm like, Hey, this is me. I have these trainings and I most recently trained with breathe. And I, you know, you're just down the road from me. And I thought I would work with you and, Oh yeah, no, I'm not going to cue breaths and mm, sorry, don't teach neutral and nope, not, not going to talk about muscles. I mean, <laughs> they're going to be like, uh, there's a the door. Don't let it itch your ass on the way out. Right. <laughs> so yeah, find a way to get to know, get to know the hiring people, take classes.
0: Yeah. And I think there's also a, a little, just I'd like to add to, to, you know, before we move on to the next point, um, a, a point around uh, we don't even need to necessarily, uh, in all circumstances, explore those potential areas of disagreement. I, mean, I think in some, t- some situations it, it is important um, but I think a lot of times, um, we don't need to, like, for example, on this podcast, I have had a lot of in- people guest on the podcast who I find personally to be inspiring, uh, exciting, you know, they're doing exciting things in the Pilates world, whether that's from a business perspective, from a client perspective, you know, just innovating generally. Um, I've had a lot of people on this podcast and most people have, who have been on the podcast have said something at one point in the conversation that I disagree with. You know, so maybe I was talking with somebody about their amazing business that they've built. All right. And at one point they go, Oh yeah, and blah, 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 when IQ trans versus Abdominis, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and I just I just let that slide past because the purpose of the conversation is not for me to harangue them about why they're wrong, you know, about doing that particular thing. It's to talk about their innovative business that they've built and how they can how that conversation can add value to the community who listens to this podcast. So I think it's, I think, you know, if, if we're to form a community solely based on everybody being in a hundred percent lockstep and agreeing on every single possible thing, it's like, it's going to be a really freaking small community, you know? It (laughs) sure will be.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we better be cool with people having different views, as long as we hold shared values, you know, and I think the values that we uh, that we share, you know, I know you and I do, and I, I imagine most of the listeners to this podcast share as well, are around, you know, doing a great job and helping our clients in the best possible way, and you know, in a way that is sustainable and helps us as humans, you know, and Pilates instructors grow and thrive, not not at the expense of our health and well-being, but you know, in in service of our health and well-being, and you know, I think that's a pretty those are those are those are values I imagine most people would agree to, agree with uh, who listen to this podcast. And I think like, well, if you're out there listening to this and uh, if at any point you've ever said or thought anything that I would disagree with, like, well, that's cool. You know, I still love you. We can still be friends. We can we can still be part of a community together. And you might even, you know, maybe we could even work together. You know, like I think you don't have to have a hundred percent overlap in all of your beliefs in order to work successfully with you know i mean gee i wouldn't want to have 28 clones identical clones of myself you know running a business that would be like you know being john malkovich
1: well i mean case in point like i work for breathe and breathe is an online company working with a lot of tech and really all i want is a tv with knobs but we can live together it's fine i can make it work yeah Well, and I think you're right, too. You know, like, I think what's funny to me, whenever I, I, whenever I see arguments in the Pilates world about us versus them, and you're right, and I'm wrong, it's really funny, because I feel like we have so much more in common, and our mission is actually the same, uh, then we have differences. Like, can we just focus on that? Like, we have, we have so much more in common. Like, there's no need to quibble over, you know, some things. Like,
0: I know it's so weird, isn't it? Because somebody who's who's outside the Pilates scene would be completely mystified and wouldn't be able to tell the Just like I guess if we if you drive past a field and there's a hundred cattle in the field, okay, probably most of them you probably wouldn't be able to tell them apart. You know, like if if you lined up ten of them and then mixed them up in a different order, it's like could you tell which one was which? Yeah, most of us couldn't. You know, uh, yet I'm sure to the cattle there are vast differences between one and the other and they would never mix each other up you know but to us it's like yeah you've seen one cow you've seen them all they're all basically the same you know i guess to most humans and i think to most people who don't really care about pilates it's like you know the the difference between the sort of pilates that emphasizes neutral spine and the sort of pilates that doesn't they'll be like between two identical cows it's like you know what (laughs) there's no difference like corporate wants you to corporate wants you to find the difference between these two pictures, you know, they're the same picture, that meme, you know. Um, so, I, and yet we get so passionate about these, you know, microscopic differences that to most people it would be completely invisible.
1: Oh, I think to the, yeah, I was just going to say to the average human being who doesn't really know about Pilates, I know for a fact, because I've been to parties where like, why is there so much drama? I don't understand the drama. Like it's just, isn't it just crunching? Like isn't it just ab curls it's like yeah, it is
0: it is it is uh and imagine i mean, imagine we you went to a party or, and you're talking to a couple of engineers, and they were in a passionately heated debate about you know this particular brand of tools versus this other particular brand of tools, you know. And they ended up like almost coming to fisticuffs over it, and you know, swearing vilely at the other person. And you'd be just like, "I just don't get why why it matters." <laughs> um. All right. So, all right. So I think, so I think there's broadly speaking, you know, we can sum up that last con, you know, conversational fray ph- of uh, uh, phase as like. We don't have to agree 100%. And if we can seek out the common humanity, the common values, the common um, ideals, you know, seek shared, you know, things that we share rather than highlighting things that we disagree on, that can be enough and we don't even have to resolve it at all. It's like I don't care if you don't like pineapple and pizza. We can still be friends, you know.
1: I do not like pineapple and pizza and I am still your friend.
0: Right. There you go. <laughs> that proves it. So, um, and, and yet there are times when it does matter. And so, for instance, uh, you know, if, if you know, there would be certain values that if we differed on them, that could be a deal breaker for either or both of us, right? So, I don't know if you, I can't even think of what it might be, but I don't know if you'd didn't think Pilates was good or something. I don't know. Like
1: Yeah, that would be a problem.
0: I would still respect you, but I'm not sure how
1: I wouldn't you, wouldn't you wouldn't have hired me if I hated Pilates. So that
0: would be a deal breaker, right? If if you were came for your job interview and were like, Okay, tell us what you love about Pilates and you're like, to be honest, I don't really like it, you know? Like <laughs> it'll be like, Okay, I think that's gonna be a problem. Um, so there are some things that could be a deal breaker, even though it wouldn't necessarily diminish my respect for you. It would just be like, okay, I don't think this is a good fit, you know? Um, and I'm sure there would be things from your end that would be likewise, if you were like, okay, tell me about how you respect the people who work in the workplace. And we'd be like, oh no, we'd prefer to treat, think of them as, you know, mindless slaves who just do our bidding. You know, you'd be like, I'm not sure if this is going to be a good fit. Um, you know, so, so, um, you know, when, when uh, another benefit of when you're going along to that studio and, and being a, a participant in their sessions is you get a feel for how they teach and how they interact with their clients and how they interact with the staff and what the vibe is. And you'll get a feel for like, okay, do I actually, is this somewhere I actually want to work?
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, um, you got to pick your battles, right? Like i think that's one thing maybe when you're you know i if i can go back to my my baby pilates teacher's self like i would have a conversation about like what's important to you and pick your battles i think you may have mentioned this i don't even remember where you mentioned this but it's you know like let's just say breath let's use breath as you know the thing it doesn't hurt anybody right? To cue breath. It doesn't, it's, it's just a, at the end of the day, we can go back and forth about why we do or do not cue breath. But if that's a really important uh, concept at the studio and we didn't cue breath, or we told you it's, you know, it's not, not helpful. Don't, you don't have to do it. That might be a point of, you know, that might be an inflection point where you decide whether or not if if that's going to be the deal breaker for you. But I would say for me, it's not like, okay, I can cue breath at some point, maybe building a relationship with the studio owner and saying, can we, at some point, can we please have a discussion and maybe talk about why, (laughs) why this is, you know, but like in the beginning, if you're a new team member, I, I I'm, I'm stumbling on my words, but I guess what I'm saying is like, pick your battles and and almost like when you're when you're exercising and you have little pains here and there like what can you tolerate like just what can you tolerate like there's you're not going to win everything right like it's not you're never going to find a perfect job i was talking with my husband about this like there's never a perfect job so what is it that you're willing to accept as like this just a little bit of shit that goes along with everything else that's really great
0: yeah and it's uh so maybe you know if you choose to cue breath in your classes because that's a minor sacrifice, it's not really hurting anyone, it's like, okay, slight eye roll, but it's like, yeah, okay, who cares? It doesn't matter, you know? I mean, we all do those. All of us who have, you know, managed to stay married over the years, you know, do those kinds of things all the time. You know, we. I, I know my wife likes the milk put in a very particular place in the fridge, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there are just certain things that you do you, and you kind of roll your eyes and laugh, you know, at the same time. And But then you actually often when you think back, it's like, oh, those are kind of cute, those little crazy idiosyncrasies that people have that they want things done a certain way. Um, but you go along even though you think it's a bunch of nonsense, you know, because you, you like and respect that person. It doesn't really hurt you to do it.
1: Well, and I will say, you know, I never – I was never in a position where I had to look for a job after my breath certification. I already had a job. So for me, the, the issue was a little bit different. It was about, okay, I was trained this way and I don't want to teach like that anymore. And I have these new skill sets, but how am I going to incorporate them in a way that's friendly and safe? both for the client and for myself in a studio that is, that has traditionally, you know, for 20 years has taught in a specific way. So neutral spine. So, you know, for me, it was like, I think, I think I had the trust of my supervisors and my clients to be able to start incorporating some of the things that I wanted to change. Like There was a point where i started to let go of breath and i started to let go of um saying things like set your core right like those are two little things that i started to um just organically get rid of and then over time just kind of ratcheting it up so i know it's this is not necessarily um relevant to getting a job but if you're in a job and you want to fly your freak flag (laughs) like trying to find small ways to do that. But it does, it goes back to the whole idea of having that relationship, that trusting relationship already with both your clients and with your with your boss so that when, if and when the hard conversation comes up as to why I'm not doing it this way, it, it's, it's just, it's a less jagged pill to swallow for the person to be able to say, you know, it's just, I don't find it to be really helpful. Like it was the same thing with, um, pelvic floor, a lot of times we would chew pelvic floor. And then it, I was, I finally said, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that anymore. It's, I don't think I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm out of my lane here. Like, I can't do that. And it was a, it was, it was a good conversation to have.
0: Mm. I think uh, when, you know, when evaluating that relationship, potential relationship beforehand, I just want to go back to that sort of patronizing the studio. Cause I really think Pretty much everything we're talking about today hinges on you going and having experience and and showing your your face and yourself in that studio a bunch of times, not just once or twice, but like really get a feel for it um, before you uh, apply for or um, accept a job somewhere. And part of it is getting a sense of like, well, do you actually want to work in this environment? And it's like, well, there may be some things that they do differently to the way that you've been trained. I mean, that basically is going to be the case for anyone, regardless of where they trained. You know, I mean, if you're trained by Balanced Body and you go and work in a studio you know, owned by someone trained by Bassy or Polestars, like there, there are going to be differences, you know. So, um, you know, so, you know, assuming that we could just comfortably live with those differences. Um, but there are there may be certain values that might not you might not be comfortable you know living with if they conflict you know And so if you got a sense that that you know that person or that studio owner or the, the culture at the studio uh, held values that were incompatible with values that you hold, you know that are really important to you and you feel like, are kind of fundamental to how you want to you know, teach Pilates. I'm not talking about specific techniques, you know, I'm talking about, you know, uh, a philosophical approach of, you know, do you you know, maybe there's somewhere that, you know, you go along and they're very fear-based in the way that they cue, you know, and maybe they're very rigid and sort of didactic in the way that they you know, tell clients what to do all the time. And the instructor is this great big expert telling everyone exactly what they should do. And there is, you know, there is no autonomy given to the client. And, you know, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Like I think there's definitely a time and a place for being directive with people and, you know, stuff. But if, if, for example, you got a real, that rubbed your fur up the wrong way, you know, you just got to feel like, uh, this is not, this is not my vibe, you know, it's like, well, I would say don't work there. You know, that's not a good fit. I mean, I I don't know why. I've been married for 25 years and I'm very, very happily married and I've got absolutely no, you know, desire to stray in any way. But I follow this woman on social media. She's a men's, single men's dating coach. I just find the psychology fascinating. Um, and so she just gives these little tips about if you're a single guy, you know, how to approach girls or how to – you know, deal with the dating scene or whatever. Um, and one thing that she sort of repeatedly emphasizes is people always, she does a lot of ask me anything little, you know, stories. And so people ask, like, oh, I've texted this girl four times and she hasn't responded, right? What do I do? Right. And her, her response, the coach's response is like, move on. That's what you do, right? You I was going to say,
1: leave her alone. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I and, can and, say that for free. Leave her alone.
0: <laughs> right, right. So, and, and there are there are one hundred and one variations on that question. Oh, you know, she says she's keen, but she's non-committal as to setting a specific time. What do I do? Move on. You know, like so. It's like the basic advice is don't try and force a square peg into a round hole. There. You know, if it's not, if it's not a great fit, it's not a great fit. That's cool. Move on.
1: I guess maybe um, one way that I would say that is uh, maybe don't teach at a place you wouldn't want to take. Yeah.
0: You, You said, you said it in like five words, what I took like five minutes to say. Well done. That's
1: okay. That's okay. I'm, I appreciate hearing about the, the dating coach.
0: Yeah, it's called, uh, she's called Dating by Blaine, B-L-A-I-N-E. Yeah. I, I'm sure you won't have anything to learn from her, but um, I think I find her entertaining. Um, all right. So do you really want to work for that person? And it's okay if you don't, you know, like as 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 a potential employee, like the in, I think it's important to conceptualize the interview process not as like you applying and the studio owner deciding whether you get to work there or not. It's a, it's like dating, right? You both have to swipe right in order for it to, to be a match.
1: Right? Yeah. I think that's a really important point. It is definitely a collaboration and you have something to offer, uh, which is I think a really nice segue into the second point that we have, which is the studio owners have a problem. So you have some, you know, you have some leverage.
0: You have a lot of leverage. You have you have more leverage than they have because we're actually in a market where instructors are in short supply, in high demand. So it's very likely the case that that studio owner is struggling to find enough instructors and doesn't have enough good quality applicants and is probably teaching more sessions per week than they want to because they can't get anyone else in to cover those sessions. Uh, And so they're probably like feeling burnt out and fairly desperate to get somebody ASAP um, because their significant other has probably been nagging them because they're never at home. Their kids are going, mommy, mommy, you know, why don't I ever see you anymore? (laughs) And uh, they're sick of doing their, their accounting for their studio on the kitchen table at midnight when they get home after 14 hours of teaching uh, and they want their life back.
1: I can't speak to, I can't speak to the whole of the industry, but I can say with some familiarity in the Seattle area that um, we definitely have a Pilates instructor shortage. I know that for the last at least two years, people are cold calling me asking if I want to work without even an interview. They just want essentially a warm body. Um, And, and, and Raf, you can speak better to it than I can, but. There is, you know, the issue with a studio that doesn't have enough instructors, like that's a huge issue for a studio, uh, for so many reasons, right? Like you can't get covers, you have, you end up canceling classes, you can't offer enough classes. So you've got members who are upset because they can't book into a class that they want. Um, and the, they don't have enough times that are, that work for their schedule. And so either you're going to have a member that's sticking around, that's pissed off and not getting what they want for their money, or you're going to have members who get pissed off so much that they leave. Um, so yeah, it's a studio owners have a problem. So yeah, uh, you as the, you as the potential instructor has so much power.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think the, you know, the, the thinking back to when I was a studio owner or a beginner studio owner, certainly the first few years, and, you know, the, I used to ask questions of people in interviews like, oh, show me your resume, show me your qualifications, let's ask you some, you know, quote, Pilates theory, unquote questions, um, you know, show me how you do a posture assessment, um, come in and teach a class. You know, so I would have all of these questions and criteria that I would ask people that nowadays I would never ask in an interview. In fact, we just hired two, uh, two team members, very highly paid team members, actually. Uh, we didn't look at a single resume. Like, we just don't even look at resumes anymore. It's like, it's all interview-based and skills assessments. Like, can you do the job we're hiring you to do? you know that's that's the most important question and the second most important question is are you somebody I want to work with you know <laughs> um, and, and so i think you know as a as a you know n- relatively naive and new business owner 15 years ago i i would have asked those kinds of technical questions in an interview and I would have wanted to see people's resumes and, and ask what their lineage was and all the rest of it. But now, uh, you know, and for some years now, I've realized that actually what's important, you know, that, seeing someone's resume, I've hired people with amazing resumes who've been a terrible fit and not done the job very well at all, you know? Um, and so I've realized that, you know, your theoretical understanding and your political you know, correctness to whatever lineage of Pilates I'm affiliated with really doesn't have much, if any, correlation with how good of a team member you're going to be and how well you're going to service the clients and how, you know, how easy you are going to be to work with, you know. And so the, the some of the best people I've worked with, you know, have taught Pilates in a very different way than I teach Pilates, but their classes have been consistently full they, they show up on time every time they basically never took a sick day, never called in, you know, late or anything, always said yes to subs. And it's like, that's my dream employee. You know, that's my dream employee. And it's like, I don't care what resume you have or what cues you use. Like if the clients love it enough to keep coming back with their friends, it's like, great, two more of that you know and so i think that as as studio owners we we you know like studio owners don't receive any formal training in how to conduct you know hiring interviews right you just make it up as you go along or you 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 basically do what what you've experienced as an employee you know you just basically repeat that process or maybe you look up a youtube video if you're really enterprising and on how to hire something. But basically, you, you know, people don't have any great skill or knowledge in how to do this. So they kind of default to what they know. And we all do it. And so what they know is the technical aspects of Pilates, because that's what they're trained in. But actually those things don't predict success in the job at all. You know, what, if if you ask the studio owner, you know, describe to me, you know, what what your perfect outcome would be from hiring this person, they will say Full classes, you know, fun to work with, and not no trouble. You know, I don't know dramas with other employees. No calling in late. No changing schedules at the last minute. You know, just like easy to work with and full classes. That's what I want. That's that's what I want for Christmas. So, so I think we have this. You know, that a lot of times in the hiring process, the conversation defaults to technical aspects around Pilates instruction or your resume or your lineage or whatever, where actually the, the, what both people really want to know is like, is this going to be a good fit? Are we going to enjoy working together? And is this person actually going to produce the result I need them to produce, which is, you know, full sessions and delighted clients, you know? So, you know, so, so how can you, as the potential employee, shift the conversation away from, you know, tell me about XYZ technical aspects of how you teach and to, those you know topics that are of actually more important interest to both parties, which is like, okay, do we actually want to work together? You know, like we're going to spend a lot of time together if we work together. Is, is this going to be fun for both of us and easy for both of us? And secondly, it's like, okay, you're hiring me to produce a result, which is full classes and delighted clients. How can, how can we both be confident that I'm going to, I'm going to deliver that for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think that, um, you know, just talking about this, like it's such an exciting opportunity for our students, for anybody, but really our students to be able to really show studio owners what sets them apart. Like I that just it makes me excited for our students and for anybody who is doing things differently that they really believe in their heart is for the benefit of um of our clients that, you know, show them what you got. Like, and, and, you know, in, in terms of our particular students, like there are so many things that, that, that they do really well. Like that to me is where the homework comes in when you're going to apply for a job is please go in prepared, knowing what makes you shine like the things that you're really, really good at. So if we're talking about, um, you know, let's say internal versus external cueing, if that comes up in your, um, in your audition, like, it's exciting to me to be able to show that to a studio owner, like, look at Look at look at this awesome thing that I can do, which seems really weird, but you know, especially if there are new students in the class, like being able to teach an exercise and get your students to do things because you're not cueing muscles. Um, it's just exciting. It's exciting to me to have that our students get that opportunity to really show people, give people a taste of what of what they can do really well, which is to to have the ability to teach anybody, right? Like you can teach anybody with the, with the strategies that we have because we've got science on our side. So being able to provide um, a rewarding learning experience for anybody who comes to our class and to be able to break exercises down into meaningful parts so that everybody everybody's doing something. Like those are really exciting things to me that I didn't know when I was a baby Pilates teacher and just worried out of my mind about, am I going to remember my program? Am I going to remember those exercises? Like, I just, I feel like that's the, if you can, if you can convince somebody to give you an audition, like you're, you're golden because you can show them your stuff. You can show them what sets you apart. Know what sets you apart. Like be ready to talk about, why you do the things you do and why it matters.
0: And, and ultimately, I think, you know, what sets you apart is that you teach really well, like you say, like basically, and when I say teach really well, I mean, give people an experience in that session that they go, wow, that was awesome fun. You know, that was great. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, and and there's a fantastic example of this. I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but it was so long ago that Lizzie, our our present student success manager at Breathe Education um, a few years ago now, auditioned at a Pilates studio here in Melbourne. And she went along and sat in the audition, like there was a, a few inst- few instructors auditioning. And the owner came out and said, okay, at this studio, we always cue core activation. And you, you know, one of the criteria of passing this audition and working here is you must cue core activation. I can't remember the exact number of times. It was like nine times, you know, at least, in the class in the session right so that was one of the criteria that the employer had put for if you if want to if you want to pass this audition you have to say the word core at least nine times you know i can't remember the number of times but some number and lizzie was thinking like well ah oh, well i'm not comfortable doing that right i've started with breathe and i don't you know i don't think that that's a useful thing to do for clients and so she just you know, she had a moment where she got to decide like, well, is this is this a good fit for me? Uh, and what she decided was, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. If they genuinely insist on that, then it isn't because I'm not prepared to do it. But what she suspected was that actually they wouldn't really care about that that much if she was a great teacher. And by great teacher, she was thinking, you know, connected with the clients, brought the clients on a journey, brought, you know, lifted all boats, you know, had everybody at the end of class going, oh, that was so much fun. That was amazing, right? Um, and so she just went in there and did her audition, didn't mention the word core once, just was her sparkly self. And at the end, they offered her the job, right? And that, I think that is just a beautiful illustration of the idea that actually the, the, the studio owner, They specifically stipulated, you must do this thing. And then Lizzie specifically didn't do that thing. And they go, great, you're the best candidate. You get the job. And that just shows that the studio owner didn't actually care about the thing that they thought was so important. It's just they didn't know what else to say, right? They were just defaulting to the, the, you know, whatever criteria that they knew. And what they actually wanted was someone who could wow those clients and have the clients going, oh, I'm going to come back next week and bring my husband you know, not somebody who mentions core nine times in a class. Like, they didn't actually care about
1: that. I love that story. I didn't know. I think that when you told that story, you never mentioned her name, but I'm not surprised. Way to go, Lizzie. I love that story. Lizzie, you're the best.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> such a great story.
1: It's a good story. Well, and it, it's, I mean, it's so, It's. it's exactly, it encapsulates what we're talking about, right? Like being true to yourself, knowing what you're good at,
0: it's, it's like if, if you went on a date with a potential, you know, marriage partner, right? And you started asking them things like to decide whether it was a good fit. You start, started with total trivia, like do you squeeze a toothpaste from the top or the bottom? You know, pineapple and pizza, yes or no? And it's like, are those really important criteria to decide, you know, your life partner? You know, what about like, do you want to have kids? Uh, what are your values? Um, you know, do you want to travel? How important is family? You know, that kind of stuff that would be more important, surely. (laughs) So I think it's, it's the, the analogy, you know, is, I think, I think works. Like if we're talking about this trivia, like how do you X, Y, and Z, it's like, is that really what's important? I don't think so. Yeah. So like you say, I think if, if, if you can get an addition, an audition And have the audition before you have the technique conversation. You know, so I think the correct sequence is first do a bunch of classes at the studio. And at that point you may go, you know what? I don't think this is going to be a good fit. I'm not going to apply for the job. Or you might go, huh, this is, this might really work. I'm going to apply for the job. Then you apply for the job, do everything you can do to have an audition before you have that philosophy conversation. Right. And Then have the philosophy conversation after the audition. Now, if you have to have the philosophy conversation before the audition, uh, I think this is kind of a life hack um, that it's not, yeah, I I would put it more in like a sleight of hand slash life hack category, (laughs) but basically you can talk in generalities. So if we say, you know, the more specific you get about something, the more likely it is you'll find some difference. Right. So if I said, Natalie, do you like pineapple and pizza? Yes or no? You might say, no. Right. And I might say, oh, we're different. We, we, you know, we're in conflict there. Right. But if I said, Natalie, do you like pizza? Yes or no? You know, I don't know. What would you say? Well, there you go. We're, we're a hundred percent in alignment. Right. So we've zoomed out to a higher level where we're not talking about the specifics right? So if I said to you, well, do you like wholemeal pizza made with gluten-free pastry with tomato, but no cheese? And, you know, it's like, if we get super specific, I'm sure we'll find areas that they will disagree on, right? But the more we zoom out, the more likely it is that we agree. Okay. If I just say, you said, no, I don't like pizza. I said, oh, do you like eating out? You know, do you like eating food cooked by other people? You know, do you like sharing a uh, important moments with people you love and care about where there's conversation and food, you know, it's like, we're going to get to some zoomed out level where you're going to go, yeah, I do like that. And I'm going to go me too. Right. We're, yeah, you know, we're of but one mind on this topic. Right. So, so the, you know, the Pilates analogy there might be like, okay, instead of, you know, what is the best cue for transversus abdominis to exclude the activation of internal obliques, right? That's extremely specific. Okay. We might zoom out and go, you know, do you think it's important to keep clients safe in class? Yes, I do. That's really important to me. See, we're in agreement, right? Um, You know, do you like to give clients a a balanced workout that leaves them feeling longer and taller and happier and serene? Yeah, that's totally the way I teach, right? We're a hundred percent in alignment. So we can zoom out and out and out until we get to a sufficient level of generality where, of course, you know, do you believe in, you know, do you believe in, uh, you know, uh, do you believe in loving people? You know, it's like, yeah, I don't think, you know, do you believe in being kind? Do you believe, you know, like there are, we could zoom out so far that pretty much literally everyone on earth would agree, you know, <laughs> and, and so if you can zoom the conversation out, you'll have more chance of finding common ground.
1: Right. Well, and if we're talking about Pilates, we don't even have to talk about Pilates. We can talk about just how you love movement and how you really feel strongly that movement is essentially one of the most powerful gifts that we can give to ourselves and to other people, and and make it about that.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So, where do we where do we land? Do sessions in the studio. Make a decision based on that, whether you want to work there or not, if you think you might want to work there and you're willing to acknowledge that, okay, they might do some things differently to how you do them and that's going to be cool. You know, like we don't have to all be identical carbon copies of each other. We can can have differences. You know, you and I could happily share a meal that involved pizza and I could have pineapple on mine and you could have no pineapple on yours and that would be cool. You know, (laughs) like... (laughs) So you know that doesn't have that doesn't have to be a deal breaker, um, and so but there might be some sort of more fundamental things, value based things that might be a deal breaker for you, and you get to choose that, and you both have to swipe right, otherwise it's no match. And so then uh, if you do get to go to an audition before you have the have a further conversation, you know, or when you apply, you know, the conversation that you should initiate you know, rather than saying, here's my resume, here's my lineage, you should say, hey, I bet you've got this problem, right? And the problem is you need staff and you're doing taxes on your kitchen table at midnight after teaching 14 hours. You want to get back to your family, okay? And I'm here to solve that problem for you because I'm going to take these classes and I'm going to be so easy to work with. I will never call in late. I will always be cheerful. I will wow your clients and they will love coming back and the classes will be full. And I'm going to be so popular, but I'm just going to be so easy to work with with no ego. I'm never going to have, you know, spats with my coworkers or whinge or roll my eyes when you ask me to do a Saturday shift or something. And, you know, you will be like speaking music into that person's ears. You know they'll be hearing the heavenly choir when you when you're saying those words, and they'll be like, "Is can this be true? Could this really happen to me?" And they they won't yet believe that it's true, but they'll be like intrigued. And so that way you get to go and have an audition, and you get to just shine and be yourself. And and my advice would be be Lizzie. You know just teach how you teach, and can focus on connection and you know teaching your best self to their best self and focus on what's common and then when you do have the conversation uh, you know focus on common what what you share what is what is the, the common humanity and the common passion for movement and Pilates and helping people that we all share otherwise we wouldn't be in this business and don't get bogged down in the tiny minutiae of which muscles should be activated or blah 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 you know and and if they ask you a direct question okay about those things I guess uh, I'm interested to hear your response, Natalie. But I guess I would just say, like, well, I didn't cue transverses in my class. Yeah, you know, how did you feel about the class? <laughs> you know, did you enjoy it? <laughs> what What would you say in that situation?
1: Yeah, I think I would say the same thing. I would say the same thing. Um, and and also if they if they ask, I think that invites the conversation about like how I would love to nerd out with you about this. Like, how much time do you how much time do you have? And have a back and forth. I think that's really important to be able to have um, a genuine conversation with two curious people about you know why I do things the way that I do. And you know, for for those of you listening who are part of the Breathe community and part of the Pilates Elephants community, I think um, just one of the things that I, I feel like we can rest assured about is that we have we're we're, we're working with evidence based tools, and we're also part of a community that continues to support each other and to provide profe- professional development for each other too. And I think those are huge benefits to be a part of a community that is so invested in becoming better Pilates teachers. I think that is just, I mean, what, what kind of studio owner wouldn't want that, right? To have, uh, to bring in somebody that's doing something differently, that can articulate why they're doing it differently. And that is part of a community that, part of a network that continues to grow because we want to learn more about doing our job better. Like I I just think it's a win-win.
0: Yeah, me too. I think we're done. I think so. I think we've solved all the world's problems.
1: Go out and fly your freak flag. And you know, the other thing too is like, there's, there's another path, right? One path is to be a part of a studio and be a part of a pre-existing community where you're different and you're going to have to learn how to navigate that difference and, and how to make compromises um, so that you can coexist. The other path is to just create your own thing, make your own studio, do your own business so that you can do exactly what you want to do. You don't have to answer to anybody. And that's completely fine too. So, you know, if you go one way or the other, I'm gonna just say because I don't think I'll ever own my own Pilates studio or studio or Pilates business, is I really um I've really come to value and appreciate my place in the Pilates community where I'm part of a pre-existing community so that I can continue to learn from people who are different than than me, but also so that they can hear my side of the story too. And I feel like that's a really nice way to continue to change and grow the community. And I'm doing that in like my tiny, tiny, tiny bit of the Pilates universe, but I'm happy in that spot. So I think if you choose, you know, screw it, I'm not, it's too much of a bother. I can't be bothered and do your own thing. Then Raph has plenty of other materials for you your a Pilates studio or a studio business.
0: I think that's such a good point. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, well, there are, you know, three Pilates studios in my area and they're all like totally incompatible with me working there. It's like, well, great. There's a massive gap in the market there for <laughs> somebody who's different <laughs> to those Pilates studios. And you could just open up, you know, sessions out of your back room or some online sessions or you could rent a space Uh, Or whatever, but if, if there's nothing that's vaguely compatible with you in your local area, that's a business opportunity for sure.
1: There you go. Good talk. Good talk. Thanks, Raf.
0: See ya. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert